Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcasts. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 073-013-8426. Say hi, and we'll connect with you. Our sermons can be found on our YouTube channel. Enjoy listening to the sermon. It's good being in God's house. It's really good being in God's house. And uh, it's good to be able to just, uh, you know, take time to be able to be together and to read his word together. And my prayer this morning is that God might speak to us as we congregate around his word. My title of my sermon this morning is Quitting is Not an Option. Quitting is not an option. I'm not sure where you find yourself this morning. Whether maybe you feel like you want to give up on life itself at times. Or maybe there's just some things that are just happening in your life that you can't understand. You just want to, I just want to give up. I don't know where you find yourself this morning. But my prayer this morning is that uh, as we look into God's word, God himself might be able to speak to us as his children. So thank you again. I want to also greet the people online. It's good that they, you know, you, you keep showing up. We you know, thank God for that. Um, and thank you again for you guys that have come physically to be in the house of the Lord. May the good Lord continue to bless you. You know, I just say this. Life at times can be very rough. Life can be tough. But life can also be unkind. You know, it forces some of us to ask the question, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? You know, you find yourself asking that kind of questions. Maybe you find yourself, you maybe are facing Goliaths in your own life. There's some giants that you're facing and you don't actually know how to deal with them. And at times just quitting or giving up seems the easy way out. At times you feel maybe your, your own prayers just go as far as the as ceiling and then just bounce back. They don't enter into the very throne of God. You know, maybe you feel that God is not only distant, but he also feels as if he's uncaring. It's like he has looked the other way. You know, he's not, he's, he, can't, he can't see you. You know, instead of us wearing a coat of blessings, you know, some of us are wearing coats of iron of life challenges, and it just wears us down, you know. And I believe that, you know, when people are going through Issues or challenges. There's some meaningless, I call them meaningless cliches that we say. <laughs> you know, there's things that are not very helpful, right? I'm just going to look at, I think, about six of them this morning. The first thing that people say things are not as bad as they seem. Oh, may the good Lord help me. Because when people say that to me, I pray to the Lord that, Lord, may you hold my hands tight. <laughs> Because I don't know what I'll do next. And then I just have to walk away. And others will say, you know, things will get better. You know, I'm sure someone will say that. Things will get better. And then I like what uh, I think we are probably all guilty of in this room. You know, I can join my team here. You know? <laughs> Where somebody comes and shares their challenges. And what we say to them is, I'll pray for you. Right? 
Have you ever said that to somebody? I pray for you. But not actually pray. <laughs> right? Because at times as believers, we use the phrase, I'll pray for you, to close difficult or challenging conversations that we don't actually know how to take forward. So he says, I'll pray for you, Justin. And then Justin, just keep quiet, and then we'll talk about rugby or something else. <laughs> and other people say, you know, you're overthinking things. You know, you're just overthinking things. May the Lord forgive us if we say the next, the next one. I know how you feel. Oh. I don't know how you feel when someone says this to you when you're going through tough times. They've got no idea what you're going through. They don't know the challenges that you're going through. They don't know the sleepless nights that you have. And then someone has got the guts to say, I know how you feel. May the Lord just keep a guard on our mouths that we don't repeat those words, that we know how you feel. Or someone will say, you know, you need to just get over it. <laughs> just get over it. It's life, just get over it. Yeah, so let's avoid some of this meaningless cliches because they don't really build us as people. I like what uh, the writer of The Road Less Traveled, it's a brilliant book to be able to read, uh, Scott Peck, what he said. He says, all, all of life's music is not perfect harmony. You know, he just had some beautiful harmony with the, you know, with the, with the worship team. And everything just sounds beautiful. But he says, not all of life is, is perfect harmony. What starts out as symphony becomes a cacophony and discordant notes often dominate. You know, at times we start life well. Things seem to be going well. Everything is in place. And the, oh, I'm just in the best place of my life. Then life happens. <laughs> then life happens. You know, we... We're looking from a reading from Psalm 73. Uh, it's quite a long psalm, but I'll, I'll pick some verses up. So we read uh, uh, some of the verses, not all of them. And before I read, some of us are familiar with uh, Job. You know? You know, Job, the guy with, <laughs> you know, all these messengers coming with bad news on his life. So this has happened. What is he recovering? This has happened. What is he recovering? Something has happened. Just one thing after the other. So Job was wrestling with a different question. And the question that he was wrestling with is Job. Why do bad things happen to good people? But Asaph, in Psalm 73, he writes this psalm and the next uh, you know, psalms following. He's, he's wrestling with a, a different question. And his question is, why do the ungodly and the wicked prosper or have things go their way? It's a question that probably maybe you might have found yourself asking. And it's okay to ask questions. Our God is not, is not terrified of our questions. He doesn't hide away from our questions. You know, He's able to handle the questions that we have. So we're going to read from verse 1 to, to 5. Um, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped 
I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. <laughs> can, you, can you feel his pain? <laughs> they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. You know, they've got the muscles where they're supposed to have muscles. <laughs> you know? And then he, he came on. They, they are free from common human burdens. You know, burdens at times. Huh? They are not plagued by human ills. Some of them are just like protected eh, from all anything that is negative. So you can imagine. You can imagine how Asa felt about that. So I get on reading. I'll read maybe from verse uh, 12. This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long, I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I'd said I would speak this, I would have betrayed out your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely, you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. And I'll pick it up again from verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth is nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You will destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, Asaf says, it is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I'll tell of all your deeds. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. I think it's important for us to be able to unpack who, who was Asaf. You know, who, who was he? Who was, his, who was his gentleman? You know, Asaf was an organizer. He was a worship, he was a team leader in the temple. You know, so he led the worship. Right? During the days of uh, David and Solomon, he was a, he was a, he was a prophet, but who used his, uh, he expressed his prophetic gift through music. That's an incredible man. But you see, Asaph was facing a crisis of belief. Because when he looked across the road, when he saw the ungodly across his road where he stayed, he saw people that were enjoying life. He saw people that were healthy. He saw people that were increasing in their wealth. Everything seemed to be going well. Yet, he was a worship leader. He was in charge of the worship of the choirs in the temple. That's why he says, you know, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Verse 14 is a painful verse. It says, all day long, I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. You know, in his mind, he's probably saying, God, why, why, why me? You know, why me? 
Give me a break. Why me? Go next door. Go somewhere else. You see, the questions that us have had are questions that I believe that you and I also wrestle with. Questions like, does God really see my predicament? Does God really care for me? Does he care for me? If he cares, why is he not doing anything? What times we say to ourselves, why, why should I remain pure if I'm still going to suffer? <laughs> What's the use? What's the use of remaining faithful to God's call when at the end of the day I'm still going to suffer? I'm sure some of us we have wrestled with those questions. You see, but Asaf had to come out of his negativity at some stage. He's a worship leader. <laughs> he had to come out at some stage. Right? In verse 1, we read, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. The first thing that Asaf does, he acknowledged that God is good. Asaf acknowledges that God is good. There is a need for you and I. To be able to declare that God is good irregardless of what's happening around us. The world might be shaking up and down. The seas might be roaring. Earthquakes, whatever is coming. The fact still remains God is good. You see, it's not dependent on the prevailing circumstances around us. It's a declaration of who God is. He's the almighty God. He's the powerful God. There is no one else who is like him. So Asaph had to declare that to himself. To make sure that he can see a different way of looking at the things that he was seeing around him. In the book of Joshua, chapter 1 verse, two, uh, verse, one, verse 9. Chapter, nine verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 9. You know, Moses just handed the baton to, to Joshua. And this is what God says to Joshua. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, it's the, it's the goodness of God that allowed him to say these very words to Joshua. To encourage him to keep on pressing on. Because God himself was going to be with him, with him wherever he went. When Jesus gave his uh, great commission to the disciples, he also used similar words. In, t- in Matthew 28 verse 20b, he says, and be sure of this. And I mean, if Jesus says, be sure of this. <laughs> I mean, how sure can we be when Jesus says this? Right? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Because he's a good God to us. The second thing that Tassam did, he changed his perspective. He changed his perspective. I'll read, start from verse 16 and then they'll project 17. When I try to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. 
In other, other Bible says, I could not understand it. Till, till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. There's something that happened here. Asaph goes to the, to the sanctuary. The sanctuary is the church. What we have today is, I'm going to call it the church. So he goes in there. Excuse me. So he goes into the sanctuary. And then something happens. The sanctuary becomes a catalyst for his change. Just being in the presence of God does something to him. In the company of some of the believers. You see, what is it that happens when you and I come to church? I think we need to remind ourselves at times what happens when you come to church. The first thing that happens, the church is a place of worship. Where you and I come, we dedicate ourselves, we surrender ourselves to him. Because only when we surrender ourselves to him, we are able to be able to worship and acknowledge and see him for who he is. That is God Almighty. That's a powerful God. That is all loving God. He's a caring God. I can go on and on. But you see, that perspective comes when you and I come in God's presence. The second thing that happened for us when he went into the sanctuary, he was able to hear God's voice. You see, when you and I come at times to church, there are a lot of voices that are speaking to us. A lot of voices that are speaking to us. But there's a need for you and I to be able to say, when we come into God's house and come into God's sanctuary, let's silence all the other voices to allow God himself to be able to speak to us. So that's what Asaph did. He went in with his ears opened, with his eyes open, his heart open, and was able to hear God himself speak to him. The sanctuary is also a place of fellowship. And for today's church, it's also a place where you break bread together. We just did that this morning. You know, I think for me, breaking bread is one of the things that really just get to me as a believer. Because it's just a place where we have to remember the incredible sacrifice that was done for us on the cross of Calvary. Right? So being in church is a place where you and I, I hope, are getting encouragement. We are able to share the burdens that we have with each, in our own lives. We are able to pray for each other. You see, we are also able to be vulnerable with each other. To be honest with each other. So that people can know how best to pray. But you see, the enemy specializes in keeping us away from the church. He doesn't want us to come to church. You know, a story is, a story is told of a couple. You know, we got up early to go to church and... Uh, the wife got up and had a shower, and then uh, next minute she's busy, you know, putting her makeup. And then she noticed her husband is still in his pajamas, you know. And then uh, he says, "Honey, we need we need to rush. We need to get to church." And uh, and he says, "I'm not going to church today. <laughs> I'm not going to church today." You know, uh, we got we got a thing in my house. Just uh, by the way, in case you come and visit one day, if you come and visit us. Come visit us, whether you're Muslim, whatever you are, whatever religion you are. If you come to visit us on a Sunday, we all go to church. Anyway, this <laughs> wife says to the, to the husband, No, we need to go. He said, No, I'm not going to church. And the wife then looked at the husband with that eye. You know, the, the people that are married, you know what I'm talking about? 
That eye, huh? It's a very, it's a very unique eye. Very, very unique eye. And then she says to the husband, I need you to tell me three reasons, three good reasons why you don't want to, come, you don't want to go to church this morning. Without hesitation, the husband says, yes, the place is cold. That place is it's just cold. I, I don't like it. It's just cold, you know. Uh, secondly, no one likes me in that church anyway. Thirdly, I don't like being there. And then the wife was like, wow, okay. And then she looked at, her, at him again with the other eye. The other deeper eye. You know, husbands know what I'm talking about. Then she says to the husband, I'm going to give you three reasons why you should go to church. The first reason, he says to the husband, she says to the husband, that place is nice and warm. It's not, it's not cold at all. Secondly, yes, there's some people that love you. Not everyone loves you, obviously, we know that. But there's some people that love you, right? And thirdly, you stop for a second and looks at, it, at him again. So, honey, you are the pastor of the church. <laughs> the reality is that the devil knows that when you and I stay away from the church, he weakens us. He weakens our faith. And before long, we are found going the other way. So you do everything that he wants to make sure that we, come, we don't come here. So don't quit coming to church. Even if it means you have to come here wearing your pajamas. I promise you the ashes will not send you away. Right? The challenge, the challenge of not going to church started way back there when the early church was established. So it's not a new thing that we're seeing today. No, it was there already. Because the writer of the Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, this is what he says. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, right? But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's an, it's an, it's an old challenge, this one, right? Because the enemy uses that to weaken the church. So let us not allow him to do that. The third thing that happens to Asaf in the, in, the, in, the, in the sanctuary, he then gains an eternal perspective on life. He gains an, an eternal perspective on life, a different perspective on life. I'll read from verse 16 and 17 again. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Well, I could not understand it, other, other uh, scriptures will say. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. And then verse 20 says, as a dream when one awakes. So when, when you arise, O oh God, you will despise them as fantasies. He was able to see that even if these ungodly people, these wicked people were having a good life, one day it was going to come to an end. One day it was going to change because God reigns supreme and he was, was going to bring his judgment one day. So the prosperity that they were enjoying, the happiness that they were enjoying was all temporary. It was short-lived. It was just an illusion that these people were facing. I believe that... Uh, 
going forward, there's a, there's a need for us to be able to look at maybe three things that maybe you can take away, that we can take away this morning. What are some of the three things that I believe that we should be able to, to take away as we go and enter next, uh, this, this week? The first thing, Jesus is our high priest who knows our pain and sorrow. Jesus is our high priest who knows our pain and our sorrow. You know, when Isaiah the prophet was talking about, he gave a, a prophecy around Jesus coming thousands of years before Jesus Christ came. The way that uh, the prophet Isaiah spoke about Jesus is he's a man of suffering. He's a man familiar with pain. You know, way before Jesus came into existence, Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. Not just grief, deepest grief. So Jesus, the one that you and I worship, is able to identify with us. He knows your pain. He knows the challenges that you and I face. Because it says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. He knows the struggle that you are facing. He sees the struggle. He's not aloof. He's present with us in those particular challenges that we are facing. And I love what uh, Isaiah says, Isaiah 59 verse 1. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But I, I, I like what it says, what uh, Eugene Peterson says in the Message Bible. It's just incredible, you know? You can see he's got exclamation marks there, huh? So the exclamation marks. So I'm not sure how you read the Bible. You know, uh, I, I think this scripture, this is how we should read the, the, the scripture. They'll put, lower me down a little bit. Look! Listen! God's arm is not amputated. He can still save. God's ears are not stopped up. He can still hear. Maybe that's a word that you're able to hear this morning. That God is able to hear. He's able to hear because he sees what we go through. He's not blind to what we go through. But you give what you're going through to God this morning. Because he's the one that holds our future in our hands. You see, some of these things come in our way because they want to distract us. They want to cause us to quit on our own faith. His hand is not too short to save. Yeah. Nor his ears too dull that he cannot hear. The second thing I believe that we will be able to take away this morning is that Jesus is our only hope. There is no other hope anywhere else. You can look anywhere in the world. There is no other hope that you can get. Yeah. Jesus as believers, Jesus is the only hope that we have. You see, God stands ready to help in times of trouble. In Psalm 46 verse 1, 
He says, God is our refuge. Always ready in times of trouble. For me, I get a picture of, uh, of athletes as they're just about to run the, the 100 meters. Eh? Like, sorry. And, you know, they go through their paces. Other, you know, other people do funny things. I've, you know, I've seen people do funny things there. Then eventually they, they line up. Eventually they line up. Right? And they all wait. <laughs> they all wait. And what are they waiting for? For that gun so that they can be able to prove that they can still run. I just got a picture of God just waiting. Waiting on us. Waiting on us. When you cry to him, he then jumps to come to our rescue. But I see the challenge that we have as believers is that at times we want God to act like right now, like instant, now, now, Lord, now, right now. But at times he doesn't do that. At times it's a journey. At times it's a journey. I know in my own life, in my own family, we, we know we're wrestling with a challenge. We say, God, can you just do something? Why don't you just do it now? <laughs> yeah, I wish you would do it now. But no, no. His answer is there already. But I've not physically seen it yet. He's doing a work in there that one day I'll have the opportunity as a family to see what he's been doing all along. Right? So Jesus is our only hope. Isaiah 40 verse 28 to 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the, the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk not faint. May God's word, not what I'm saying, may God's word speak to you this morning. You see, our God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's with us right to the end of the age. So Jesus himself intercedes on our behalf. On our behalf daily. He's there to sustain us. He's our advocate. May we be found holding on tightly to him and not give up. The third thing we should take is God is in charge of our eternal destiny. You know, Asaph was able to see that although these things were happening, all the good things were happening with these with wicked people, God himself was going to change those things around. Because he knows and he holds our future in his hands. Revelation 21 verse 4 is an encouraging verse for me. It says, you wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. That's what God is going to do. It's guaranteed. You know? Unlike uh, our good friends, Eshkom. That's guaranteed. It's going to happen one day. 
And we need to keep holding on to him. Jeremiah 32 verse 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all the people of the world. Is there anything that is too hard for me? Is there anything that is too hard for me? In verse 17 he says, Behold, I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything that is too hard for me? I want to remind you this morning, remind ourselves this morning, that there's nothing that is too hard for God. I'm going to invite the team to join me. I don't know where you find yourself this morning. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you, you feel like you want to give up on life. You want to give up on your own faith. Because you think that the stuff that you, you're going through is just overwhelming. Right? I want to encourage you this morning. Don't give up. Don't quit. <laughs> Don't quit. God has got your back. He stands right here with us. He's right there in the pain and in the sorrow. He's not some God that is distant out there. He's right here with me, with us. Some of us maybe need to do a public declaration this morning to remind yourself that you are not going to quit by just standing up. Just, I'm going to invite you. If you believe that, you know, you want to confess before God Almighty this morning that you're not going to give up. I just want to invite you to stand just for a minute. I'm not going to do anything. Right? If you believe God is saying, don't give up. I just want to encourage you to just stand up. There's some people that are standing. Just a declaration. God, I'm not going to quit. You see, you can sit. You can sit. Some people won't keep standing. Asaf says, who, am, who, have, who have I in heaven but you? And earth is nothing besides, besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. May God strengthen you as you wrestle with the challenges that you face. But don't quit. I also want to end off by just inviting people that maybe you don't know who Jesus Christ is. Maybe you have not asked him to be your Lord and Savior. I want to invite you this morning. If you're one of those people, you've never Say yes to Jesus. I really want just to encourage you. Say, there's the greatest invitation that you're going to get this morning. Jesus wants to be your friend this morning. So if there's anyone out there, I just want to encourage you, just raise your hand, you know, and we will pray for you. There's someone online, please just indicate to raising your hand and we'll make sure that we follow that up with you. Let us pray. See those hands at the back. Thank you so much. God bless you. You can say this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way that I am. Thank you for sending your son to die for us on the cross of Calvary. I want to accept you this morning as your Lord and Savior. I turn my back from my evil and embrace your holy ways this morning. Thank you for today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May the good Lord continue to bless you. May the good Lord continue to watch over you. 
don't quit because quitting is not an option. Thank you. We trust that you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you about your next steps. Please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We would love to help you on your discipleship journey.